You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Amen. Great to see everybody this morning. I want to wish everybody happy Easter. Um, our family, I feel really blessed. I've got a beautiful family, and it's exciting to have holidays and celebrate them with your family. We had no Easter egg hunts this morning. We are going to be having an Easter egg hunt after church. <clears throat> I'm trying to see if I can sneak in without being recognized, grab myself a couple of eggs. Right. Miss my Easter egg hunt. Yeah, miss my Easter egg hunt. We have Tanya's mom with us today. And Tanya's mom came up and we went to the Dodger game last night. And we're Dodger fans. We love the Dodgers. Uh, one of the things I love about the Dodgers is Jackie Robinson. And if you love the Dodgers and Jackie Robinson... Then you also love the Bruins, because he was one of our famous Bruins. That's right. Great pictures of him playing football, playing basketball, and track and field at UCLA. All night, though, they, you know, had little interviews, and they showed just the incredible pictures of uh, 1947 Brooklyn, 1947 America. And you have all of um, the segregation stuff everywhere, and <clears throat> we're celebrating his life. But it's still so, so stunning to see the pictures, to see a segregated America, to see Jackie, the only black man in baseball out there on the field, to see the crowds, some harassing him, the persecution, course the people in Brooklyn that rallied to him and it just takes your breath away makes you think about this stain this sin of our country this racism and that it had become so systemic that we'd largely become numb to it in today's thoughts I want us to think about how we've got hurts and or sins and or things in our life that in the same way are systemic, so systemic, that we become numb to them. And it's just so easy to do today what we did yesterday. And yet with an empty tomb and Jesus, you know, affecting our lives, we've got to be able to take some notes and evaluate and go, what does it mean for me to live again? And today our uh, title is Rise Again, to Rise Again. If you're visiting with us today, we want to welcome you. I think we've said that a couple of times, but I do want you to know, right, and I remember visiting church for the first couple of times and going, what's going on with these people? You know, I was looking for the Wizard of Oz moment where I get a peek behind the curtain and, you know, see... The wizard pulling all of the levers. And uh, we want, this is something that I think is important to us. Churches are not museums that display perfect people. Our goal isn't to be some kind of perfect and polished people. We want to be a, a hospital, a place where the wounded and a place where the hurt can come, that are injured and find real healing. But again, there are no perfect people, so there's no healing from a perfect person in church. Amen. Healing comes from this community and our ability to connect with an incredible God. Amen. And I just want to uh, make a quick note. We had a great time Friday night, 
celebrating the Seder. Uh, Dink did a great job, and Mike Allen just putting together a wonderful time for us to do something that's a little, little unusual for Christians, to go back and remember our roots and what our Jewish roots are and what a lot of Passover means, what a lot of our, the words and the language and the meaning that we see, especially in the Old Testament. But we can't forget, guys, remember, in the New Testament, God didn't say, I'm so angry with Israel in the Old Testament, I'm divorcing them and starting over. That's not what's going on. He's saying, I love my people and the New Testament is entirely and, of course, built on everything that's going on in the Old Testament. It's a fulfilling and an unfolding, and it's beautiful. And if you're a one-year-old Christian, a ten-year-old Christian, a twenty-year-old Christian, you're always going to find incredible, rich experiences in reading God's Word and how it transforms us. Amen? I want us to uh, think about this passage. Let me read this passage in Hebrews chapter 2 to get us started. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. The writer says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Let me read that one more time. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Just let's think about it for a second. Death. To be without air. To be without a pulse. To be overcome by exhaustion and or some kind of disease. Death. Pause. I want you to pause a moment. Just think. We've all lost somebody in our lives. Where are the dead? Grandfathers grandmothers, husbands, wives, children, friends. We've all experienced forms of death that create, you know, extreme um, grief inside of us. Where are the dead? To be without a pulse. To be without air. To be overcome. Try and picture 2,000 years ago being in this tomb and there's Jesus wrapped up in his linens. And we go day one and we go day two and we come to day three. And I don't know, did it all happen at the same time? Did it all happen at the same time? Maybe there's a breath. There's a breath. A breath. One quick heartbeat. One quick pulse. His eyes come open. His eyes come open. And he sits up. Of course, there's this angel. 
and he, the angel removes, rolls away the stone, and out comes Jesus. And of course, it's our women that are first there to witness the empty tomb. This is another great sermon and a side point. But for our women to be the first to bear witness to an empty tomb is incredibly significant. It has deep significance to it. This is uh, not, uh, you know, it's 2,000 years ago. This is a society, a culture, in which women were not um, recognized as being able to go to court and give testimony. Right? Testimony could only be given by men. And it's our women that first come down from the tomb and testify. We bear witness to an empty tomb, a risen Jesus. What does that say about our lives? What does that say about the disenfranchised? What does that say about the hurt? What does that say about those who have less? What does that say um, about, about all those that aren't in the mainstream? What does, that say? what does that say about all of us? What does that say about our voice? Whose voice is it that God is trying to empower? Who can really bear witness? Didn't Doretha do a great job bearing witness today? That was beautiful. Well said, sister. Thank you so much for your thoughts. Really moving to watch how God transforms a life. And I think us as Christians feel like we could watch that every single day and never tire then also of remembering how he changed our lives. So exciting to think about these things. But I want you now to think, of course, about your life, because we're all in the middle of our lives. You might be a, a little bit older and feeling like life has passed you by. You might be right in the middle of your life and in a difficult marriage. You might be a student, a teen, and having a hard time with calculus. But we all got a little death working in our life. We've all got something that takes our breath away. I might have mentioned this before, but the word anxiety comes from the Latin word that literally means to be without breath. We all have things that make us anxious. Parents, we get anxious about our kids. Kids, we get anxious about mom and dad and or tests and or these things. We get anxious about finances. We get anxious about career and job. We all get really anxious about the future because nobody can really forecast into the fog of what's next. What is it that takes your breath away? That's a little bit of death working inside of us. How is death working inside of you? We all have areas in our life where there's no pulse. I used to be so excited. I used to have great enthusiasm for this thing. I wanted so desperately. I remember being a freshman, looking at National Geographic, and this is a long time ago, but the pictures, the first pictures I ever saw of the immune system. Wow, look at the white blood cells, T phages and macro or T cells and B cells and macrophages and there's little buggies and they're going and they're eating up all the buggies and that's going on inside of my body right now. I've never seen anything so incredible. I'm going to go to college and become a researcher and find out what I can do to cure cancer or Alzheimer's or whatever it might be. I was so excited, so enthusiastic. My first lab class. just can't tell you how overcome I was with boredom. <laughs> and trying to write, you know, no, I get it, right? I mean, this happened, that happened. Write it down. 
you know, the microscope. We've been in here a long time. Where's the sun? You know, if you do a little research, you realize, is it just me or does it seem like we've not seen the sun for a long time? And after a year, you lose heart. That had no pulse after a year. We've been in relationships and infatuated. Puppy love. Some of us started our marriages that way. And they feel like they lack a pulse today. And some of us have things in our lives that we just feel, frankly, are dead. That have been overcome by exhaustion and or disease. And Jesus is here to say, Jesus wants to say to you today, all of those things are tombs that are inhabited. And I want them to become empty. We want these relationships to be alive. We want these families to be thriving. This is a church, so we don't do a lot of, unless you're Dat and Natalie Doe, a lot of career counseling. But if you're not in a good lane in your life, uh, you can persevere. I'm a big believer in persevering. But everybody might need a new lane. That's okay, changing lanes. That's a great idea. Read this passage with me. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. Everything, everything is exposed by the light. Light makes everything visible. Here we go. This is for us this morning. Wake up. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Wake up. Where are we asleep today? What sleeps inside of us? What dead bodies are in there that need to come back to life? We've experienced many Easter's. I doubt this is anybody's first Easter. And we've heard the story to some degree, and yet many of us still have a death inside. Something that needs to come to life. Something that is stubbornly staying dead. Look over here to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and this really is where I want to center my thoughts today. I love this chapter. I thought earlier in the week, too, I'm reading the chapter. Man, I love this chapter. What a great chapter. Why don't we preach more on this chapter? Why don't we hear more from this chapter? Because you get into it and you realize, oh yeah, because it's almost 70 verses long. It's a long chapter. It's a little bit like uh, Psalm 139. I've got a great sermon for you today. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, Psalm 119. How many verses are in Psalm 119? 100, 200, and just, it's like a book in and of itself. So let me just take a couple of thoughts from 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to start in verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. For each in his own turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Here we go. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he's put everything under 
his feet. And so here we are in this battle, and we are still, you know, sort of in the battle for our lives. But remember, he is saying that, and I'm just not going to do too much comment on that because I want to get through the passage. But this is so much where he highlights this idea, this thing is still alive, death that works in us. Let me pick up here in verse 35. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. How are the dead? How do they come back to life? Keep reading with me. I'm going to zoom down all the way to verse 50. I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we'll be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. The trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we'll be changed. Come down here, verse 54. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your sting? Or, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? This is still very much, you know, obviously our lives. I love that Paul is taking on this huge thing, and I want to I try and frame for us what it is that Paul is trying to explain and take on here. What happens to the dead? Some believe in a thing called soul sleep, that we're going to die and go into this state of unconsciousness for whatever time, and then there will be some sort of last judgment, and, you know, the good sheep and the goats come up, and you get this door, and the bad, the, uh, the sheep, then the goats, you get, and you sorry, adios. I don't think it looks like that. We know that in Luke 23, verse 43, Jesus says to the thief on the cross, Today, today, you will be with me in paradise. And the word here is paradiso. Paradiso. It's a good word. It talks about, obviously, a paradise. It's sort of the antithesis to Sheol, you know, where I'm going to go, where it's not good. I've died and it's not good. And I think that happens immediately after death. I think that happens right the moment we die. We go into a paradise or we go into a Sheol. I think this is interesting. In John 14, many of us are familiar with this passage. Jesus says, I am going to prepare a room for you um, in my father's house, mansion. There are many rooms. But this word is monet. And it's not a permanent, it doesn't have a sense of permanence to it. This is the word that we use for like a way station or a hotel or an inn, not a permanent house. Not a permanent house. 
So we stay in this place. It's awesome. It's paradise. Jesus has prepared this great place for us. We love it. You're not going to be unhappy there. We know right after the resurrection, Jesus comes up. He's out of the tomb. And they kind of recognize him. It's Jesus. They have a little trouble recognizing him, but enough they know it's him. They're sort of obviously in a state of disbelief. Right, Thomas? I don't get it. I am full of doubt. And Jesus, touch my hand. Put your fingers in my side. They recognize it's him. He's in his body. And so if you think, and I know it's, there's a cultural perception that we're going to rise up from the dead and we're going to be in sort of dismembered angel bodies. And we're going to sort of float around in angel bodies and we'll all kind of have the same angel uniform on. You might have, need a name tag, you know, so that you, you can, we can differentiate each other. No, I think you're going to come up in a real body. I think you're coming up in your real body. Jesus came up in his body. But it's going to be a perfect form of your body. It's going to be a glorious form of your body. What God created in Genesis 1, he said was good. We know in Psalm 139, we are wonderfully created, knitted together in our mother's womb. And God's not a God that takes things and goes, you know, that was good. Back to the drawing board. Let me start all over again to some degree. He likes his creation. But the curse messes us up. We have a curse. We have some disease. We have some uh, stuff. Obviously, the earth is cursed. Romans 8 talks a lot about this. The whole earth is cursed. The whole world is cursed. Not even just people. So we come up. Jesus came up as in a bodily form. He was with them for a number of days. He ate with them. I think there's eating in heaven. Can I get an amen? They are talking, fellowshipping with each other, walking around. I think that sounds good. I think that sounds good. And we all want to travel around, see beautiful places. Kauai. Kauai. I want to go to Kauai. I think I'll be able to be in a body and go to Kauai. Or whatever. And this is exciting for us. And what does Jesus do then when he ascends? He doesn't transform into angel body. His body that they recognize ascends into heaven and he sits at the right hand of God. And we're going to imitate him. So I think we go through a resurrection. I think we rise and go to paradise. I think there's a new heaven then and a new earth. And for time's sake, I'd love for you to go back and read these passages. They simply make the statement, at that time and or in the future, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And what the new, one of the great New Testament themes is, is that what God is doing is not destroying, but God's taking this new heaven and this new earth, and at this kingdom junction, he's trying to put them together. And this is going to be our final state. This is a second resurrection. This is what's after the last judgment. This new Jerusalem coming down in heaven and earth, <clears throat> sort of at this intersection of the kingdom, coming together to be one. Really a second resurrection, if you will. N.T. Wright has sort of made this phrase very famous, and I like it. I don't know if it sounds good at first, but if you do it a hundred times, it starts to make sense. Life after life after death. Life after life after death. There is this paradise. And then what? This big, great thing that God and we're all looking forward to here. This real central, important idea of him not just... <clears throat> 
destroying everything, but bringing it together, removing the curse, this joining of. Let's talk for a minute, a little bit about us. Because if we're going to rise again, we've got to get right with God. If we're going to rise again, we have to get right with God. We don't want to wait until wherever out there in the future to get right with God. Today is the day to try and get right with God. Today's Easter. Today's the day to rise again. Today's the day to hear his voice. Today's the day to open up your heart. Brene Brown, she makes this phrase that I really like. Everybody's been hurt to some degree or another. And what we'd like to do is selectively numb the things in our life that hurt us. We'd all like to say, this is good. I want to remember hitting a home run in baseball. And this was bad. Dad, mom, boyfriend, girlfriend, the world. But in trying to numb what's bad, you also end up numbing what's good. You can't selectively just numb out the bad and try to experience the good. It doesn't work. So we just go into a state of numbing, and it creates kind of a dissociative state, meaning like I'm over here, but what's really going on in my heart is over there somewhere. We're sort of dissociated. Anger is an emotion that I think does this to us very much so. Anger is an acid, Mark Twain says, that does more damage to the container than to the target. We've all been hurt. It creates anger. It creates grief. It creates despair. And we hold that stuff in. And it's like an acid. And it just starts wearing away inside of us. We have to do something about that. And I think God has a lot, obviously, in the Scripture and in the Word that, that, that enables us to do that. But it's up to us to work on this thing. I like this idea, and I wanted to, leave, I want, I wanted to read this to you. The Rolling Stones uh, read this, uh, wrote this song years ago, Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die. You remember this, right? So we got some classic rock folks out there. You. It says, when you were young and your heart was an open book, you used to say, live and let live. But in the, if this ever-changing world in which we live makes you give it and cry, say, live and let die. And I think, that's, I think there's some wisdom in there for us. We all have some things that need to live, and we all have some things that need to die inside. There is some things that need to die. I think we need to let some anger die inside of us. I think we need to let some grief or despair die inside of us. I think we have some desires that you do need to let die inside of you. You know, a tree's got to be pruned. We all have some um, uh, impulses. We all have some behaviors that need to die. We have some things inside that need a letting go of, that need a death. So live and let live isn't always good. Live and let die is more we want to go. And the body sort of tells us this. The body, through all of the uh, cell, cell division, um, lots of research and varying degrees, some controversy over this, but the gist of it is, because of how cells replicate and die, about every seven to ten years, your body is basically a brand new body. Ten years ago, all the cells that are in you today weren't there. All of your cells from about ten years ago are gone. I think that's pretty inspiring. Where'd they go? They died. Ah, and they were made new inside the body. So the body's even sort of telling us, rise and rise again. It's in there. I want us to think a little bit about 
Uh, this is a little bit more for my teens and my campus people. In the 1700s, 1770s, Stevenson writes Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And with this invention of Jekyll and Hyde, right, I think in a large degree, this is sort of where psychology uh, was born. There's a, there's a me that I show outwardly, uh, Dr., Dr. Jekyll, and there's a Hyde inside. There's kind of a monster and a beast. And I try and hide him. And there's fear of appearance and what people think and this need to hide and all this stuff that's going on inside of us. And usually this thing has to do with desires, impulses, things we're ashamed of, things we can't talk about. But it's inside of you. You've got to deal with it. There's things inside that need to die. So here we have Jekyll, right? And um, we're all sort of caped. Jekyll and Hyde. You can sort of see the image there on the left. And these are from, villains from the X-Men. Who, are, who will you be? Will you go home? We go home tonight and be Black Widow? You're here at church. Nobody looks like Black Widow here at church. I don't see any Black Widows in church. All, everyone's got their beautiful dresses on and hats. They're all looking good. No black. Ah, but some of us will go home tonight and become Black Widow. <laughs> Guys looking good, drinking coffee, eating donuts, hugging, high-fiving. Spirit this morning was awesome. But some of us will go home today and become Green Goblin. We all have some Green Goblin. We all have some Black Widow inside of us. Jekyll and Hyde again. Some of us, is her name Wonder Woman, her alter ego? Diana Prince, is that right? Is she Diana Prince? Hey, where's Diana Prince? Where's Diana Prince? She's in there. We can go home, not when people are looking so much, and be Wonder Woman, not about performance, church performance, any other sort of time. Because, because of God, because something is alive inside of me, and it feels wonderful. Clark Kent down here at the bottom. Superman, where are you? Dad, I need a few Supermans. Dad, I need a few Supermans that can spend ten minutes with your kids and read to them. Dad, I need a couple Supermans that can see that she is exhausted and she would love it if you took five minutes and did the dishes. Thank you. I need a couple supermans that might see her again is trying super hard and a little overwhelmed and say, maybe we just need to bring home some Pollo Loco tonight. <laughs> I'll suck it up. I'll put the 20 bucks down. We'll have Pollo Loco. And she can relax. We need some supermans that will deal with themselves and set a tone in their marriage and set a tone in their homes that is godly, that is good, and that is inspiring. That's what our supermans need to look like. You take that five minutes and ten minutes and put your computer down. You take that five minutes and ten minutes and put the ESPN, the clicker, down. You take that five minutes, ten minutes, you write a little card to your wife. When's the last time you wrote her a little card? She will love a little card, little flowers, and she might say, I don't like flowers. You know what that means? She loves flowers. Yes, 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 yes. Superman, come on. Let him out. Let him out. A couple closing points. Remember this. I think you can remember this because it kind of rhymes. Paul talks about this to Timothy. Many have shipwrecked their faith. We're a wreck. We're a wreck. We'll be a wreck or we'll resurrect. And it looks a little bit like this, right? You're not going to go out, everybody's feeling good today, but you're going to go out there in the world and we have these things that we call triggers. You're going to get triggered. A boss is a trigger. Sometimes a spouse is a trigger or a child is a trigger. 
or traffic is a trigger. There's lots of triggers in the world. What are triggers? Things that affect you. They make you angry. They make you sad. Professors are triggers. I'd really like this guy if he'd stop giving me papers and tests. I just want to punch him in the mouth. Yeah, a lot of triggers out there. And we get affected. We go into anger. We go into anxiety. We go into despair. We go into grief. We go into altered state. We, we're, we go into a little bit of highs. We go into a little bit of highs. And we get affected. When we get triggered, we're not resurrected. We tend to get disconnected. We withdraw. And we go into our own coping stuff. And for some of us that have struggled with addiction, we know what that's like. We go in, we start acting out. And if I'm alone, then I can do this thing. And then I'm not corrected, I'm just repeating behavior. But this week, I want you to recognize triggers. Know how you're affected and be resurrected. You don't have to do the same thing over and over again. And when you get triggered, and you're going to get triggered tomorrow, you don't withdraw, you stay connected. When we're connected, you can be resurrected. And after we've, you know, recognized what we're affected, stay connected, then we can correct and be corrected. But the behavior is what comes last. That's how you work inside out. That's how you change heart first, then behavior. We don't want to be a bunch of behavioralists that are just swapping one behavior for the other. We want to experience a resurrected heart. You've got to change from the inside out. And so it looks a little bit like this. Think about this. We'll all be affected. Stay connected. Work on correction. This is all the process of resurrection. Let me close with this passage in 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Praise. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy. Mercy. He's given us new birth into a living hope. Amen, church? Amen. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul says we're going to become like him in every way. Today's the day again. Hear his voice. Don't settle for numbness. Don't settle for tombs. Don't settle for a little bit better than yesterday. Don't resign yourself. God and his message, God and his power, Jesus and his life, shouting. Isaiah 61, Isaiah 61. All day long, I hold out my arms. Think of the prodigal. All day long, I hold out my arms, offering hope, offering rebirth. Can you hear it? Can you hear him? Today, yeah, Easter eggs are fun, but he's wanting you to hear this voice. Mercy. Rebirth. Living hope. Thank God. Thank God for what he's given us. Let's use the rest of our day to celebrate and thank God for the resurrection. God bless you. God bless the church. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.